Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, it's another weekend of football. Findlay head coach Stefan Adams previews the Trojans' Week 5 game at Toledo Whitmer. Former Super Bowl champion and current NFL analyst Mark Schlereth shares his favorite football tailgating tips and offers analysis of the season as we head into the second week of games. And there's a local connection to Sunday's home opener for the Cleveland Browns. ONU Dean of Students Adrian Thompson Bradshaw will be performing the national anthem before the game again. Plus, we have another collection of tasty and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 17th, 2021. Today, by the way, is Constitution Day. It was on this date in 1787. The Constitution of the United States was signed at the conclusion of the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. So Constitution Day, also known as Citizenship Day today. So there is that. It is also, if that's not enough to get you excited for the day ahead, today is also National Apple Dumpling Day. (laughs) So there's always that. National Monte Cristo Day, National Table Shuffleboard Day, National Time's Up Day, and is uh, World Patient Safety Day today as well. So, reasons to celebrate on this uh, TGI Friday is and and I saw this on the uh, on the newswire. Definitely among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting. The most buzzworthy stories of the day. This is a story that if you weren't taking the pandemic seriously yet, this may just be enough to convince you. The state-run liquor system in the state of Pennsylvania will begin rationing sales of a few dozen products beginning today in response to what it describes as supply shortages beyond its control. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board notified liquor license holders yesterday that two bottles per day purchase limits for customers at state stores as well as bars, restaurants, and other license holders will remain in place indefinitely. The uh, PLCB, Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board, said sustained supply chain disruptions and product shortages prompted by the restrictions or prompted the restrictions on certain types of alcohol. The list of rationed booze contains specific types of champagne, bourbon, tequila, cognac and whiskey. And the rationing will remain in place for the foreseeable future, the agency says, until the supply chain becomes more reliable. And, of course, all of this brought on by the pandemic, liquor shortages. Now, this is in Pennsylvania, but that's getting dangerously close to the Buckeye State, so we know that it may be coming here soon. And if if you needed a reason that we need to beat this pandemic, right there, you got it. We are rationing alcohol now. We are in serious trouble. Hershey's has uh, been the, is now the latest to announce its collection of uh, holiday sweets. So this is big news. The collection includes new Reese's peanut brittle flavored cups, 
Uh, new Reese's snack sized trees giant gift box. New Reese's snack sized trees giant gift box four pack. The New Reese's peanut butter cups yardstick. What is that? Yardstick. That a, is that like three feet of Reese's cups? I'd be in heaven. New Reese's peanut butter ugly sweater. New Hershey's Kisses Milk Chocolate with Grinch Foils. New Hershey's Kisses Milk Chocolate with Grinch Foils Cane. New Hershey's Sugar Cookie Flavored Bar. New Hershey's Milk Chocolate Reindeer. New Kit Kat Gingerbread Cookie Flavored Miniatures. New York Peppermint Patty. New York Peppermint Patty Snowflakes. That's kind of cool, actually. Uh, New Whoppers Snowballs. In the theater box, new Heath Toffee Milk Chocolate Miniatures, and returning this year, Hershey's Kisses Sugar Cookie Flavored Candies. So, should be enough to satisfy your sweet tooth of those holiday varieties coming soon. Again, we're here to make sure that you are up to speed with all of the important news. <laughs> Of the day. Speaking of the upcoming holiday season, before we get to uh, the holidays, got to get through Halloween and uh, America's favorite odd couple, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, are joining joining forces once again for Halloween. The rapper and lifestyle guru will reunite for a TV special on Peacock. And of course, it's all about food, entitled Snoop and Martha's Very Tasty Halloween. The stars will welcome skilled bakers who will be split into groups of three called Scare Squads and will be tasked with building a full sensory 12 by 12 Halloween world that is equally spooky and tasty, according to a press release uh, from Peacock, the streaming service. So watch for that very soon. This is big news. If you've ever been to the state of Hawaii, you may have heard about this. Maybe you've attempted it. I don't know. Uh, But I I know a lot of people have. But uh, Hawaii's stairway to heaven will soon be no more. The haiku stairs on the island of Oahu were built by the U.S. Navy in the 1940s to give them access to a secret radio station atop the Kualu mountain range. And I think I I probably mispronounced that because Hawaii Hawaiian names just confuse me. So, but uh, it had a secret radio station, world war two on Oahu. And they had this stairway to the top of the mountain, nearly 4,000 steps up. Now, the public was barred from using the stairs in 1987. Over the years, they become rickety. They become slick. It's uh, wooden stairs, I believe. It's just wooden stairs. And over the years, with the moss and the, the rain and the weather conditions, make, they make them very slippery, uh, very rickety, very, very dangerous. And so the public was barred from using the stairs in 1987. But the uh, prohibition and an associated fine of up to $1,000 for anyone caught on the stairway to heaven has not stopped people from trying to climb them 
Anyway, about 4,000 people a year attempt to make the climb, and some people have been killed. It's gotten to the point where the Honolulu City Council last Wednesday unanimously voted in favor of a a resolution to remove the stairway. Uh, One council member saying the illegal trespassing caused by the stairs poses a significant liability and expense for the city and impacts the quality of life for nearby residents. So if you were planning a trip to Hawaii and considering attempting the climb on the stairway to heaven, uh, forget about it because it ain't happening. We're going to get rid of the uh, stairway to heaven. That is like an iconic thing in Hawaii. Even if you never attempt it, um, I guess the views from the top are just astounding. Uh, if you've ever seen photos, and if you haven't, Google it. There are photos all over the internet from the top of the mountain uh, after people climb up the stairway for, uh, to heaven. But uh, it is incredibly dangerous. We were in Hawaii uh, a few years ago, and uh, my, my son was like, hey, you want to try it? I'm like, eh, no, I'll pass. I think I'll, I'll pass on that. Just in time for Winnie the Pooh's 95th anniversary celebration, a cottage inspired. This is something maybe instead of going to Hawaii, if you're disappointed, uh, the removal of the stairway to heaven, say, well, why go to Hawaii now? Why bother? You can do this instead. A cottage inspired by Winnie the Pooh is now up for rent in England. It is dubbed the Bear B&B, <laughs> a cottage designed in partnership between Disney, Airbnb, and Kim Raymond, the artist who has been drawing the honey-loving bear for the past 30 years. She says she used specific details from A.A. A. Milne's books and E.H. Shepard's original illustrations to make the cottage as accurate as possible, according to the Uh, Beloved books, Uh, visitors who decide to rent the cottage will be given a tour of the hundred acre wood, uh, which inspired the stories. According to a press release, the cottage is stocked with yoga mats, journals and throw rugs to embrace living more like Pooh, who is famous for going at his own pace. And really, it's a, a surprisingly affordable single night stays. Uh, will set you back only $130. So uh, I would have thought much, much more expensive. Uh, but uh, And it doesn't say whether this is an ongoing thing or just a limited time. It's for the 95th anniversary celebration of Winnie the Pooh, uh, which is coming up, I think, next year. But uh, whether this will be an ongoing thing that will be available or if it's just for a limited time, it doesn't say. This is kind of interesting. Again, among the first things you need to know this morning, certainly qualifies under the category of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. In what could be a disturbing peek into the future, 40% of people who were polled in a recent survey said that they were open to the idea of having intimate relations with a humanoid robot. The survey conducted by Tidio reveals that 3% of those say it would only be a one-night stand, while an astounding 39% believe they could actually have a romantic relationship with a robot. It is worth noting that 48% of those who were open to the idea of AI 
relations were men. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us men. But it's kind of scary. <laughs> would you? No, I would not. No, I would not. And uh, lastly, among the uh, first things you need to know this morning, uh, we are, because we always have to have something to be fearful of, here is today's story. This is what we should be afraid of now. Pet store puppies. I know they say adopt, don't shop, and here's one more reason. Apparently, pet store puppies could be making humans very sick. Researchers with the CDC say they have investigated 168 cases of C. jejuni infection linked to pet store puppies. This infection cannot be treated with any common antibiotics. It is one of those superbugs. It is considered an increasing public health threat. Dr. Mark Laughlin says, quote, data indicate these excessively drug-resistant C. jejuni strains have been circulating for at least a decade, and no sources other than dogs have been identified, unquote. Researchers note the infections were not from any particular breed, transporter, distributor, store, or chain. Dr. Laughlin adds, when choosing a puppy or dog, pick one that is bright, alert, and playful, uh, not one that is lethargic because it very well could be infected with this strain. Or better yet, adopt, don't shop, as they say. There you go. Some of the most, because uh, we always have to have something to be worried about or fearful of. So I have done my duty for today. <laughs> uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, sunny skies today with a high of 86. Skies will be mostly clear tonight, a low of 64. The director of the Ohio Department of Health, Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff, says the current surge of COVID is putting a dangerous strain on the state's health care infrastructure. Speaking at a live news conference, Vanderhoff said because of the influx of people being hospitalized with the more contagious Delta variant, those with mild or routine health concerns should avoid the ER. He says hospitals across Ohio are running out of bed space as cases increase. And the drive through COVID testing site at Blanchard Valley Hospital has reopened in response to the rising COVID cases in the region. The new redistricting panel in Ohio has failed to reach the bipartisan consensus necessary to pass a 10-year map of state legislative districts. After hours of negotiations, the Ohio Redistricting Commission approved new district boundaries purely along party lines, which means the map will last only four years. The two Democrats on the panel maligned the GOP-drawn map as an unfair and arrogant thwarting of Ohio voters' wishes. Legal challenges are expected. Dave James, I went in news. Governor DeWine has announced that Ohio received notification from the federal government that 855 Afghan evacuees will be coming to Ohio through the U.S. Department of State's Afghan Placement and Assistance Program. The federal government has told Ohio that the placements will be the eight resettlement agencies located mainly in central and northeast Ohio. The governor says these are individuals who have been partners with the U.S. and deserve our support in return for the support they've given us. As part of the Awakening Minds Art Community Mural Project in Findlay, the Can Do Group created a mural called Reach for the Stars. There's no limits to what they can do, and this is kind of what our mural represents, that just keep going, keep reaching, and just get out there. 
That's Lindsay Cervantes with the Can Do Group. You can see the mural on the side of their building at 318 West Main Cross Street in Findlay. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. It is week number five of the high school football season. And after a tough outing against Toledo Central Catholic last week, the Finley Trojans are now 2-2 two and two on the season, heading back up north for a matchup with Whitmer tonight. This week on the Coach's Corner, our John Marshall caught up with head coach Stefan Adams. Now, last week we talked about how uh, last Friday's game was the start of a grind through the middle of the season. Three very good opponents back-to-back-to-back. The Irish from Toledo Central Catholic proved to be pretty much just as we discussed. I haven't known you for that long, but I have no doubt that you came away from that game with the thought that it, it was a learning experience. So what did you and your staff and your team learn from that game? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it goes back to this. I mean, I'm not going to change as far as my approach and always uh, finding the positives in everything that we do. Um, and then I'm also going to point out the accountability piece like you talked about. And, you know, we're game, going into game five now. So, uh, you know, it, it's time to put the excuses beside and it's time to, you know, really get rolling and moving forward on all the positive things and all the good things that we're capable of doing. So. Uh, running out of time, just kind of keep saying, you know, hey, fellas, like, ah, you know, hey, we have the positives, but they're also, it's time to put aside the, the nonsense and, and move forward 100%. A few bright spots. Uh, your defense stuffed the run game that is traditionally a highlight for yeah. the Irish offense. Yeah, uh, I thought the guys did a great job. I think that we were very gap sound. Um, we, we did a lot of movement up front. Um, uh, wanted to make sure that we were able to wrap up the quarterback and wrap up the tailback, and they have a big, young offensive line, but they're big. Uh, and our guys did a great job of stopping their run. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of put the onus on their quarterback and him being able to, to beat uh, beat us with his arm, and um, you know what? He made some plays, and they, they did just that. And so definitely a bright spot was the fact that we did shut down their run like we were intending to. Sam Weirock came away with uh, five tackles for loss, several other tackles. Yep. A big talent for your defense. Yeah, uh, that effort that we need. I mean, he's a captain for us. Uh, we need that effort not just uh, here and there, and he knows that. We need that effort every single week. Um, as he goes, the defense will go. Uh, we, we put him in a good position to be uh, in great spots to make tackles, and uh, we, we, we didn't miss tackles uh, like we did during the Perrysburg game. So very proud of his effort, very proud of, uh, of what he's doing for us as a captain, and want to string this along now. Offensively, Ryan Montgomery connected better than half his passes, including a few to Ben Ireland. Not bad for a freshman in his second start, especially against a tough defense like Central Catholic. Where do you feel like he's improved the most to this point? You know what? I, I, like I said before, I've seen that kid since he's been in seventh grade, and I've seen the growth with his maturity, uh, the way he handles adversity. Um, and really, you know, he got, he got, he got, he got hit a couple times. And he didn't shy away. He didn't budge away. He didn't quit. Uh, he got back up and went on to the next play. So I was very proud of that growth and maturity from him from the start to the finish. This week, you head back up to Toledo for another Three Rivers Athletic Conference game against Whitmer. Panthers are 3-1. and one. What do you see coming from them on Friday night? Yeah, you see a, a well-coached football team. Uh, coach does a great job with those guys. You know, from an offensive standpoint, uh, they want to be uh, in 21 personnel. They want to come straight down in the field at you. They have a great offensive line who uh, is pretty in sync, and they want to be physical, and they want to be dominant. On the other end of it, they're a pretty sound defense. They don't give too much away. 
Um, they, they don't beat themselves or, or, or shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, really what they want to do is they want to keep everything in front of you. Uh, their linebackers can run around and fly and, and make plays. Uh, and then they're very aggressive on special teams as well, too. So uh, they, they don't want to give you an inch. So really a well-coached team and um, got a talent at quarterback. And, you know, we got to match their physicality. Uh, we got to match their sound football technique, and we got to be very competitive each play. What are the things that your Trojans have to do to not just play with them, yep. but bring home a win? Yeah, I mean, we got to understand first and foremost. I've been talking about it all year long. We got to understand what adversity is and how to respond to it. Uh, we got to be resilient, right? Uh, you know, things in life don't always go the way you plan, but it's how you respond is, is how you're measured. And for us, it's kind of staying the course. Um, it's us coming out firing fast. Uh, not waiting for anybody, not waiting to see how the game's going to feel or how it's going to go. It's us dictating it on our terms uh, and finishing. Uh, we got to finish. On the offensive side of the ball, we've got to put the ball in the end zone. On the defense side of the ball, we've got to continue to get stops, make teams punt, uh, and get the ball to our best athletes and be able to make plays. So uh, just, just you know, when the plays are, and the opportunities are there, we have to make them uh, and stop waiting for everybody else and stop waiting to kind of see how the game's going to go. we got to dictate it ourselves. Good luck on Friday night. Thank you. Appreciate the time. The Trojans are at Whitmer this evening. Our coverage begins with tonight in high school football from the Ohio News Network right after the 6 o'clock news, followed by Tim Montgomery and Cliff Height on the call here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Other action we're following tonight around the area. Pandora Goboa travels to Macomb. That is our BBC Game of the Week over on our sister station, 100.5 WKXA. Liberty Benton is at Corey Rawson, Van Buren at Riverdale. Uh, Van Lu travels to Arlington. Arcadia is at North Baltimore tonight. Mohawk is at Cary. Elmwood at Otsego. Bluffton at Ada. Allen East at Columbus Grove. Lipsick is at Spencerville. Harden Northern travels to Lima Perry. Toronto is at Lakota. What a week it has been. What a month it has been for uh, Lakota and the football team uh, over there. Certainly our thoughts and prayers with the uh, football family at Lakota. And uh, Bath is at Ottawa Glandorf tonight. And that one over on 106.3 The Fox. You can follow all of those games and more in real time on the WFIN scoreboard page powered by ScoreStream and presented by Owens Community College. That's at WFIN.com slash scoreboard. And we have it linked up at goodmornings.net. And, of course, catch the Coach's Corner with John Marshall live from Ralphie's Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. or anytime on demand at WFIN.com. So we got our preview of uh, tonight's high school games, week number five of the high school season. It is uh, now the third week of the college football season with the Buckeyes hosting Tulsa on Saturday. And of course, the second week of the NFL season is upon us between the games on Sunday and Saturday and even Friday night under the lights. It is tailgate season, and every year about this time, we check in with three-time Super Bowl champion, broadcast veteran, and seasoned chef Mark Schlereth. It's become kind of a tradition for his favorite tailgating products and tips. And Mark, what have you got for us this season? Well, it starts with the television set, as it always does. The 83-inch C-Series, the LG OLED, best-selling premium television series in the United States, 8 million individually controlled pixels for the blackest blacks. And the deepest colors, guys, I'm telling you, the viewing experience like none other. A picture so stunning, it feels like you're at the game where you're gaming in and of itself, 48 inches to 83 inches. And then the 
EcoFlows, Delta Portable Power Station, power anywhere you need it, inside and out, quiet as a church mouse, solar power battery, can charge up to 13 devices as one at once from the big screens to the mini fridge. They've got you covered. Introducing a new lineup of tailgating treats, thanks to my friends at Spam Brand, the Spam Classic Meatball Sliders, so delicious, and how about the Spam Classic Fries. If you're trying to cut carbs like I am, the Spam Fries, delicious. Then we'll finish it off with something to drink, Smirnoff. Nothing says Homegate like Smirnoff, from uh, vodka soda to the Moscow Mule. Smirnoff number 21 is where you want to go. Their seltzer, the red, white, and berry seltzer can turns blue when it's nice and cold. Something for everybody. Make sure you drink responsibly. That's the home gating uh, info you need to know. There we go. We are all set for a another season of uh, football action. So, as we said, week number one, the NFL season is in the books. What are the biggest? Uh, there was some crazy games week number one. What are the biggest storylines uh, that uh, came out of this uh, opening weekend? Well, you know, I think everybody's going to get an overreaction on on week one. You know, and sometimes you don't prep for the the preseason doesn't properly prep you for the regular season and. You know, so it's always it's always one of those things. I mean, we're going to look at Green Bay and go, hey, yeah. is Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, the questions I've been getting asked, Aaron Rodgers is completely out of it. His riff with management has bled into his playing, and that was the worst game. It was probably the worst game he's ever had. You know, it's probably the, the worst game he's ever played. But the bottom line is this. He's a competitor. Um, the guy is super smart, and he is an elite-level quarterback. And so – that, to me, is an opportunity to motivate yourself and go out there and play great next week, and we'll see exactly how he responds to that. So, you know, that's always kind of one of those things. The NFC West, I mean, whether it's Matthew Stafford leading the Rams, it's San Francisco and his talented roster as they have, it's the Arizona uh, the Arizona Cardinals, maybe, maybe you know, top to bottom, the best performance of any NFL team going into ten- Tennessee and absolutely – yeah. Thunder punching the Tennessee Titans in the mouth. And, you know, and you got the Seattle Seahawks going on the road and winning and Russell Wilson making some big throws over the top like he is uh, want to do. So that division, the best division in football. No question. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay looked uh, very good. I mean, you talk about veteran quarterbacks from Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady. I mean, what can be said about Tom Brady that hasn't already been said? But it uh, again, based on week number one, uh, it's just picking up where you left off. Yeah. Hey, how much time is too much time? Any amount of time on the clock to turn it over to Tom Brady (laughs) for a last second drive is too much time. Um, The guy is incredible. You know, the thing that amazes me most about Tom Brady at 44 years right now, he's throwing the ball with more velocity and as good accuracy as I've ever seen him throw it with. He works with Tom House, who most quarterbacks in the National Football League work with, but he's incredible. But my biggest thing is that chip on his shoulder. My biggest thing is to be in this league for what, 22 seasons or whatever it is, and to not be stated by success. You've yeah. been to 10 Super Bowls. You've won seven world championships. And if you ask him what his favorite ring is, he'll, his, his standard response will be the next one. The next That's one. That's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, to not, to not just be stated, like we'd all play. I'd still play if it was only having a lineup on Sundays. It's preparing Monday through Saturday that I don't want to do anymore. Yeah. And to see him still prepare the way he's prepared 
since he was a young player is absolutely amazing to me. Let me ask you about the Browns because obviously on paper, everybody uh, going into the season is talking about how good the Browns are, maybe top five uh, in the, in the league. And, and granted, uh, they ended up losing to Kansas City, uh, which is you know no shame in that. But it was more how that game slipped away that I think concerned a lot of Browns fans, uh, just because there were some moments where it seemed like oh, same old Browns finding a way to lose. Yeah, I you know I don't look at it that way. I mean, Kansas City. The thing about that is. You executed the game plan, right? You built a what, twenty-two to ten lead. Yeah. Um, going into the third quarter, uh, you possessed the ball. You did everything that you're supposed to do when you're playing Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, and they did what they do a lot of times. They still find a way to win. You know, the thing about them is if they have two possessions or three possessions, uh, or they can turn. Uh, amount on the clock where you would normally get one or two possessions, they can turn that into three or four scoring possessions because they can do it so quickly. And they've got such unbelievable weapons. And Patrick Mahomes is, you know, a unicorn. So um, I, I just look at that and say, man, a great learning experience going on the road and building a lead against the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, it slipped away. Yeah, you made a few mistakes. I get that. But I think from a roster standpoint, you can make an argument that they are the most talented roster in football. They play without Odell Beckham Jr. as well. I just, I look at that and say, man, I'm not concerned about the Brownies at all. I think they're a really solid football team. And that's just one of those learning curves you go through. Kansas City will do that to several teams along the course of, of the way. And the fact that you were in it on the road in Kansas City, which is still one of the toughest places to play in all the National Football League, um, there are no moral victories, but you walk away from that feeling pretty decent. A lot of football let, left to be played. Uh, some interesting storylines coming out of week one that will carry over into the uh, coming uh, weeks and months ahead. Again, three-time Super Bowl champion, broadcast veteran, and seasoned chef Mark Schlereth uh, with his uh, outlook for the NFL season and his favorite uh, tailgating products and tips. Where do we get more information, by the way, Mark? Uh, probably on, uh, the interwebs. Um, and, uh, if you don't know how to do that, I got nothing to help you with, right? <laughs> Just go to lg.com or ecoflow.com or spam.com or smirnoff.com. But, uh, Come on, if I have to tell you that, I mean, I can barely turn the damn thing on. So if I can figure it out, you certainly can figure it out. Mark, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You got to be well. Well, in this second week of the NFL season, the Browns will welcome in the Houston Texans for their home opener. On paper, this really should not be much of a contest, which is maybe exactly what they need to rebound after last week's disappointment in Kansas City. But it is what will be happening before kickoff that is noteworthy locally. Adrian Thomas Bradshaw, who is the Vice President for Student Affairs at Ohio Northern University in Ada, will be singing the national anthem again. And we say again, Adrian, because you actually performed the anthem last year, but that was a very different experience. It was indeed. I was singing in a completely empty stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was that like? I mean, walking out onto the field and, and performing to uh, a, a stadium full that was completely empty. I mean, it had to be a little surreal in that respect. 
it was surreal. Um, but, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been in uh, First Energy Stadium. I'm a Clevelander, but I've been in Northwest Ohio for several decades now. So I hadn't had the opportunity to be there. So my first trip in, I was in awe of the beauty of the stadium. And it just felt like a rehearsal in a way. You know? I was, was going to uh, say, so that was kind of a, a dress rehearsal. And, and now you get to do the uh, real thing here. And uh, I, I looked it up and the uh, stadium has a capacity of 67,895 people, not to make you nervous or anything. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> <laughs> would, uh, would you say this is the largest crowd you have ever performed to uh, up to this point? Yeah, I would say, uh, I think it's fair to say, yeah, that's the largest crowd. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm guessing that this will be the first time that you have had fireworks and a flyover as part of a performance. Uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely the first time. So, so um, I'm looking forward to that. So talk about how all of this uh, got started. I mean, how w- were you selected to uh, perform last year and then, of course, being invited back this year? Well, one of my um, coworkers here at Ohio Northern um, was a season ticket holder and, you know, attended games and thought it would be cool if I had an opportunity. We always talked about music, our mutual love of music and everything, and he thought it would be cool if I had a chance to sing there. So he actually looked into it to figure out how to get someone to sing. He Mm -hmm. contacted the the fan experience office. So they actually said they needed a videotape of a person singing the anthem and they would consider it. And so he couldn't surprise me. He had to actually get a videotape. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. Was this a surprise or did you know about all of this? Yeah, I didn't know up to that point, but he had to ask me for the videotape. So at that point, he had to tell me what he was up to. <laughs> so, um, you know, we got a videotape of me singing at another game. At, um, I was at Capital University uh, at a basketball game singing. So we taped that and sent that to them and didn't really think any more of it. And, I mean, it, it was months that went by and we didn't hear anything. So we just figured, oh, well, that was a nice try. Yeah. Um, but, but they did finally contact me and say, um, you know, we'd like to have you come. So. Um, I was shocked, surprised. (laughs) And then uh, how cool is it that, uh, you know, knowing that it was, you know, obviously you didn't get the full experience the first time around that they actually invited you back to do it again. Yeah. And they said at the time, we'll have you back. But, you know, people always say that. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I thought they were being kind. And I, you know, so I took it that way. So I wasn't even really expecting a call back. So I was surprised that they that they emailed me. (laughs) Now, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you have a passion for music. You are not a professional vocalist. It's not what you do for a living, but you have been singing uh, most of your life. It is a true passion for you. It is. Yes, that's true. Um, it's not my uh, primary job, but it is my primary passion in life, I would say. Yeah. And uh, in fact, you are the founder of the ONU Gospel Ensemble. So you have been able to, in some way, kind of bring that passion into your career. Yes. Yeah, I have been blessed that way that, um, you know, I've been able to sing here at the university. I sing for volleyball games, usually sing the national anthem. But this gospel ensemble, I mean, we travel around to churches in the area. And so we're actually celebrating our 35th anniversary this year of the gospel ensemble. So, yeah, I've been really blessed. That has really got to be a a great legacy uh, to have seen that grow uh, over the years. It, It is. 
um, it's just, like I said, a real blessing. It's not anything I ever would have guessed. It's not even anything that I set out to do. I didn't come here and say, well, we're going to form this gospel mm-hmm. ensemble and go on for years. But yeah. it's just one of those things that happened, and um, I just have enjoyed it. Now, you mentioned you are a native Clevelander, so a, a big Browns fan already, I'm assuming? Oh, yes, of course. Now, do you know <laughs> Do you know if you'll get the, the chance to kind of mingle with the team at all? Maybe take some pictures, get some autographs, toss the pigskin with Baker Mayfield, any of that? Uh, yeah, I've been assured none of that is happening. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is awesome. Yeah, they're, um, they're really um, still very strict about COVID protocol, so they have assured well, me I'm not doing any mingling and I'm not doing any selfies with anybody. Well, I suppose <laughs> I suppose that is uh, to be expected, and they do have a, a game to prepare for uh, after all. So, uh, so will That's this true. so will this be an an acapella performance? Will you have an accompaniment? I mean, I would imagine trying to do this, doing this in front of a stadium is is one thing, and then doing it a cappella would be uh, even more uh, kind of intense, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, actually, a cappella makes it less intimidating in some ways. Really? Because, um, you, you know, if you are, I'm going to get a chance to go out there and rehearse it right before okay but i wouldn't have had a chance to rehearse with you know a band oh, or whatever true. so acapella you're kind of like setting the tone yourself you pick your own key and you know you go at your own pace yeah so in a way it makes it a little bit easier well and as you said you've done it before maybe not in front of sixty-seven thousand plus but you've done it before uh i i, I tell you i don't think i could do it even to an empty stadium so Kudos to you. Uh, certainly best of luck and, and congratulations on on quite an honor. Again, uh, Adrian Thompson Bradshaw is the uh, vice president for student affairs at Ohio Northern University in Ada singing the national anthem before the uh, Browns game uh, this Sunday. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I know for uh, actors, we say break a leg. I don't know what we say uh, to singers before the national anthem, but whatever it is, best of luck. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. I appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Now, this is how you quit a job. A woman who filmed a now viral rant where she criticized Walmart managers and quit her job using the store's PA system says she has been overwhelmed by the support she has received in the span of just a couple of days from other company employees. Beth McGrath, who said she worked at Walmart in uh, Carincro, Louisiana, for nearly five years, shared the video of her impassioned and sometimes profane tirade aimed at the store's management on Tuesday. And since then, the video has accrued more than 100,000 views on Facebook and thousands of comments from people voicing their support. I'm tired of the constant gaslighting, she said. This company treats their elderly associates like you know what. Uh, She goes on to accuse her store's manager of being a pervert and criticizes others over the treatment of her co-workers. Uh, She concludes by saying, shame on y'all for treating your associates the way you do. I hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us. Walmart doesn't deserve (laughs) y'all. And that's saying something. If (laughs) Walmart doesn't deserve (laughs) y'all. 
<laughs> she uh, closed out the video by praising her fellow associates, uh, making it clear that she was uh, only going on a rant against her uh, uh, managers. <laughs> she is now a former employee. <laughs> That's how you quit a job right there. <laughs> That's how you quit a job. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the uh, broken news. Uh, parents at Hudson High School in Ohio are concerned about a book that for years was part of the curriculum in the Senior College Credit Plus writing class. The book in question is 642 Things to Write About, and parents say it contains some racy and inappropriate prompts that their high schoolers should not have been exposed to. Now, generally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, censoring books and, you know, literature and, and all of that. Now, the book banning, I think, is a, a dangerous thing. But in this case, I think the parents have a point. Um, the town's mayor is actually asking the entire school board to resign because this book has been used for a number of years. And apparently nobody noticed this until recently. Some of the concerning prompts in this 642 things to write about. Uh, and I'm just going to read it here. Write a sex scene you would not show to your mom. <laughs> this is high school students uh, are uh, describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. Uh, how about this one? Drink a beer. Write about the taste. Again, for high schoolers and probably my the most alarming Write an X-rated Disney scenario. Yeah, I can see where that would be inappropriate for a high school class. Superintendent Phil Herman says after fielding complaints, the book was immediately determined to be inappropriate and taken back from the students. He also says it is important to note that at no time were any of these inappropriate writing prompts assigned as part of the class. Yeah, but still in the book that you gave out to students. Probably not the best decision of the school board. A lamb is on the loose at the University of Utah. Uni yes, a lamb. Uh, university officials say the sheep escaped sometime last Monday, uh, late Monday or early Tuesday, while being delivered to the school as a research animal. Apparently it wasn't happy with the idea of being part of the research. Among the five lambs intended to be used to study infectious diseases such as malaria at the Molecular Biotechnology Lab, the lamb has since been spotted at the school's Language, Arts, and Communication Building. <laughs> Maybe it was staging a protest. It has managed to evade capture. The lamb still believed to be on campus, but is definitely giving the university a run for their money. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. <laughs> as long as it wasn't near the lab. Now this, you would think that uh, some people would know better. At Elgin Air Force Base in Florida, they allegedly received a bomb threat from an airman. Uh, on Sunday, according to a spokeswoman for Elgin Air Force Base, the airman who allegedly texted the threat targeting uh, the Breeze dining facility is assigned to the 96th test wing, or probably was. The airman 
has not been named at this time. It is still unclear if charges will be filed. According to the base, the airman sent a text to a third party threatening to blow up the breeze. This is the restaurant, the commissary on, on base. That person then notified that person then notified military officials who responded to the breeze. About 8 p.m., authorities established a perimeter and announced the scene to be all clear around 11.30 following an extensive search. So. <laughs> you would think that an airman uh, would be brighter than that, but apparently not. And finally, in the uh, broken news, how about this? Almost a year ago, city officials in Washington, D.C. fined the Dirty Goose, a bar... $1,000 over a half-baked rule that said businesses holding alcohol licenses must offer a food menu at all times containing at least three prepared food items in order to seat customers during the uh, post-pandemic reopening process. So the only way they could seat customers is they serve food. So this bar, learning about the rule, secured a toaster oven and debuted a menu of five cookies that were extremely popular with customers. Heavenly smells wafted through the entire establishment and even beckoned to passersby who popped in and ordered them to go. But an Alcoholic Beverage Regulation Administration inspector did not see it that way when she visited the Dirty Goose on November 27th and slapped the bar with a $1,000 fine. The inspector informed the bar's managers that multiple varieties of cookies did not count as distinct prepared food items, so they needed to figure out how to pop popcorn or bake brownies. <laughs> In addition, attorney Richard Bianco found uh, the notion that a snickerdoodle being the same as a fortune cookie was so ludicrous that he took the case pro bono, and now the city has offered to reduce the $1,000 fine to a written warning because the attorney general de deemed the rule confusing. It wasn't a situation where they had a tongue-in-cheek effort at compliance. Uh, the attorney says their cookie program was not a joke. They sold 5,000 cookies. Alas, they no longer sell their addictive cookies. The bar owners say when we went back to full capacity, the likelihood that the quality would stay the same was unlikely. Is that when the weather gets colder, we might think about it again. We still have the toaster oven, so never say never. <laughs> they found a lucrative side business there. Uh, there you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Saturday, September 25th, Oktoberfest returns to Finley. Celebrate the rich German heritage of Northwest Ohio with live German music, polka dancing, hearty German food, and more. Grab food from Schmidt Sausage House, Psalms Market, and many more. Plus, get more than 30 varieties of German imported and domestic beers, live German music from the Dwayne Malinowski Orchestra and Anthony Kolkar and the International Sound Machine. Join us for Oktoberfest South Main Street, Finley, September 25th. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. American politics are certainly in a state right now. Uh, very divided uh, very divisive our politics are right now, but 
apparently there is a bit of a, if not an upside to all of this, we can at least maybe call it a silver lining. It is apparently making more people aware of exactly how their government works. Researchers from the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg Public Policy Center say that knowledge about civics has actually increased over the last year, and it is now at its highest level since 2006. The annual poll, the uh, Annenberg Public Policy Center puts out a poll every year uh, on all kinds of different questions regarding the functioning of government and civic engagement and so on and so forth. And for example, the uh, poll of more than 1,000 people finds that 56% of Americans are now capable of naming all three branches of government. Now, in 2006, just 33% of respondents could accurately say that the three branches are, do you know them? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial. Bonus points if you know which is which and who follows or who falls in in each category. Of course, the president, the executive branch, Congress, the legislative, and the Supreme Court being the judicial. But that is amazing in, to me in because that's such a basic question. Uh, but in 2006, just one-third of Americans could identify the three branches of government. And today, that number is up to 56%. So uh, you can decide for yourself whether the trade-off of the divided nature of our politics today is worth it. But if nothing else, we can say that maybe the divisiveness of our politics and the fact this is in the news constantly, uh, we're getting beat over the head with, with politics in the news these days, there is something of a bright side, or at least, as we said, a silver lining. So make of that what you will. Once again, to finish up the program on a Friday morning, it is time for another collection of easy-to-make-and-tasty recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. We skipped last week yes. uh, because we had our uh, tribute to uh, 9-11, 20th anniversary of 9-11, and so we had other very somber things going on, but it is good to have you back. Oh, thank you. Uh, and, you know, it, it's been all about football today. We've been talking about uh, high school football and college football and NFL now yep. underway, yep. and we were thinking we should do, maybe we will here in a couple of weeks, oh, yeah. uh, sometime on, on down the line, uh, do uh, highlight tailgating recipes, yep. and I was thinking this actually uh, would be a good so, tailgating yeah. recipe. This yeah. would be absolutely scrumptious at a tailgate, especially once you get into the uh, cooler weather. Yeah. Um, we have a recipe for Salisbury steak meatballs, which we had the other night and were absolutely delectable. Yes. <laughs> so a pound of ground beef, a half a cup of breadcrumbs, more or less, depending on what you want to do. I used a little bit more. I used about a cup. Of, I would say that's probably about right yeah. because they were yeah. 
they they still came yeah. apart pretty easily. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So so I used a cup and still. So you can might I mean do your judgment on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, one egg, a quarter cup ketchup, two tablespoons of mustard, one tablespoon Worcestershire sauce, three fourths ta- uh, teaspoons seas- uh, your seasoning salt, uh, your Lowry salt. Um, quarter teaspoon of pepper and one teaspoon of onion powder. Um, then for the gravy, two tablespoons of butter unsalted. I use salted. Um, I didn't have unsalted. <laughs> um, so just don't put <laughs> as much seasoning salt in gotcha. when, you, when you're okay. doing that part. All right, so you back off the seasoning salt right. uh, in the gravy. Yes, in okay. the gravy. All yeah, right. back off the seasoning salt a little bit. Uh, one large onion, one tablespoon of Worcestershire Worcestershire sauce, one cup of beef or chicken broth, um, two tablespoons of cornstarch, and um, a half a teaspoon of seasoning salt. Like I said, back off of that a little bit, maybe about a quarter teaspoon. If you're using the salted butter, and by the way, uh, it says the uh, beef or chicken broth should be low sodium or right. no sodium. So again... right. Yeah, yeah, you can back it off however you want with yeah. your salt, depending um, on yeah, how, how much do. sodium in the yeah. other ingredients. I don't. Yeah. I didn't use low sodium. I I use oh, okay. regular chicken broth on, oh, right. on mine. Right. So um, I didn't have low sodium. I had regular. So <laughs> so whatever you got on. Yeah, hand. whatever you have on your in your pantry. So just back off your salt um, mm-hmm. if you if you know want to. Uh, one tablespoon of uh, ketchup. And then for your mashed potatoes, five large potatoes. Um, I uh, used my red potatoes, so I so I would say with the red potatoes, you would probably want like six or seven of the um, red potatoes. Um, we didn't use as much because I don't cook that much for right Chris for just and I. the two of us. Yeah, so uh, I only used four. So uh, four tablespoons of butter, unsalted, a quarter cup of milk, a quarter cup of sour cream, quarter teaspoon of salt or to taste, and a quarter and a half a teaspoon of pepper or to taste. Mm-hmm. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, add all your meatball ingredients to a large bowl, mix well uh, using your hand, shape into one-inch meatballs. Uh, You should get about 25 meatballs or so. Uh, Place the meatballs on a large sheet pan lined with foil and bake for 20 minutes. Uh, While that's baking in a skillet, um, uh, add your onion and um, cook until the onion is soft and translucent. Uh, in a bowl, add your cornstarch, your beef broth, and whisk that all together. Um, add your broth to your remaining gravy ingredients in the skillet and cook for three to five minutes. Uh, sauce should thicken up, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll thicken up fairly quickly because it's not like it's a big amount yeah. of, of gravy. Uh, if you're if you're if it's too thick, then add some more beef broth. Um, and taste for seasoning, adjusting as necessary. When the gravy is done and the meatballs are done, add that to your skillet and toss them around, and so they're all covered in the gravy. Yeah, so, and that would be, again, we were talking about this would be great for tailgating. I'm yeah. thinking you, you could probably... Uh, forego the mashed oh, potatoes yeah. Yeah. if you want to just do that mm-hmm. do the meatballs and the gravy yep. put that in a crock pot yep. and take that take, to your tailgate yep. you'd probably be oh, all yeah. set yeah. Now, and they're really good this gravy is like really good yeah, I really it, like it it, it is uh, yeah. very good and now this recipe and uh, we'll get to the mashed potatoes here in a second but th- yeah. this recipe is for what four family four um or? yeah 
I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes servings? about 25, 25, 25 meat, meatballs. meatballs. So I guess, so, yeah. So you, know, you can adjust the quantities yeah. as necessary yeah. if you're you cooking probably, for more or less. Yeah, if you're going to do for a tailgate, I would say probably use a couple pounds of... Yeah, of, maybe, then maybe you get double a, it even. Yeah. So yeah, depends on how pounds. big your tailgate yeah, party is. Correct. So, anyway, I mean, so yeah. I, just kind of off on that tangent if you want to yeah. use it as a tailgate recipe. And then for the na- mashed potatoes... Yes. Uh, peel the potatoes, cut them into one-inch cubes. Um, if you use your red potatoes, you don't have to peel them. I don't. Uh, boil them on medium heat until potatoes are tender, about 20 minutes or so. Uh, drain your potatoes and in a uh, medium bowl, add the potatoes, mix the butter, the sour cream, and the seasoning uh, using a potato masher, or I use my electric mixer uh, to get <laughs> them nice and to, yeah. get them nice and nice and, and creamy. Nice and creamy. If you like chunky, then then use your masher. Um, uh, like I said, you can also use your hand mixer. Add additional milk if necessary, and serve with serve your meatballs on top with some gravy and all. It's it's done. Scrumptious. Good to go. It's, it it's, is it's really good. And uh, yeah, a great another uh, great for a uh, nice cool fall yes. evening. It is definitely stick to your ribs yep. kind of. Uh, Kind of meal there. Yep. And for dessert, uh, cake mix toffee bars. Yeah, so this is one box of yellow cake mix. Uh, if you have a white cake mix, that's fine also. An egg, six tablespoons of butter melted, two bags of chocolate toffee bits, and one can of sweetened condensed milk. Uh, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Spray a 9 by 13 inch baking dish with cooking spray. Combine your cake mix, butter, and egg. Press in the bottom of the prepared baking dish. Sprinkle with your toffee bits on top of the cake mix mixture. Pour your sweetened condensed milk over that evenly over the toffee bits. Bake for 25 to 30 minutes. Cool completely and cut and serve. Mm. Now those... You might be able to get away with uh, for a tailgate. Oh, yeah. You could take those to a tailgate. But here's, but here's the problem. You would have to take that uh, to a tailgate for a soccer game because you've got, you know, the toffee. The English, <laughs> English toffee. Aww. You'd have to do it for English football. English uh, football with the English instead, toffee. Of, so instead of regular that's football. The only, that's American the only football. thing. <laughs> That's the only oh. thing there. But no, great uh, great <laughs> yes. recipes, and that sounds yummy, too, for yes. dessert. We have those recipes posted on our Facebook page. Uh, go to the WFIN Facebook page for that. We also have it linked up at goodmornings.net. And if you have a request or a recipe you want to share... Uh, we would love to add it to the collection. Yes, so uh, all you have to do is uh, email us the request. Mm-hmm. If there's something you want uh, or are interested in uh, hearing about, Cairo, go to work. Or if you have a recipe, favorite recipe you want to share, you can email it to us, goodmornings at WFIN.com. As simple yeah. as that. Some great stuff from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Of course, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, there has been a change in plans for this year's Findlay Race for the Cure. We'll speak once again to the folks at Susan G. Komen, Northwest Ohio. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day and a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.